Welcome back to another episode of the Huxley Morton podcast, the show where each week we speak to pharma company owners and industry leaders sharing their stories of personal and professional growth. This week and very on brand, as you can see from his screen, if you're tuning in via video, we have Dr. Mark Larkin from VIT Access. Uh, and as always, my co-host, Mr. Adam Walker, how are you gents doing? Not bad, thank you. Nice to be here. Nice to talk to you both. Good to see you both. Nice to see you, Mark. And Adam, how about yourself? Keeping well since you and I last spoke? It seems like it's, it's been a while since we've been um, here for uh, a video call. I'm feeling a little bit healthier than I was this time last week. Let, let's, be, let's be clear. I've had a little bit of COVID and uh, I wouldn't recommend it. So just, just for everyone, just to avoid it like the plague because it's not great. And um, as I say, this week, I'm feeling an awful lot better than I was this time last week. That's for sure. Fantastic. Well, look, um, good to hear that you're back to fitness. I believe that this is the final show of this season before we head into the, the holidays, all for it to enjoy our Christmas breaks. Um, but look, Mark, I'll give you a very short intro there. Um, CEO and founder at, at Vit Access. But look, give us a quick um, overview of who you are and what Vit Access is all about before we sort of really get into things. So what we do is... Uh, it, what what we call ourselves is an innovative research organization. So we do healthcare research, the clients are biopharma companies. We don't do clinical trial research. We do research about what happens to patients in their everyday lives, mm -hmm. and how diseases and treatments impact them. And we use digital tools to do that. So that can be things like, you know, you download a smartphone app that will ask you questions about your condition. That creates a data set that, that can be based upon, you know, you can do research with. So people may be familiar with some of those types of approaches actually quite recently with COVID, particularly in the UK, there's been some really um, interesting population research where people download apps and they, you know, ask about what you've, whether you've had COVID, whether you've had symptoms, et cetera. So we do that type of thing, really. We haven't done stuff in COVID, but it's that type of research about disease, particularly rare diseases, actually. Mm -hmm. And really close to the patient. That's that's the thing that we do. We do it very collaboratively. So that's what we do. My background is um, scientific. I did a natural science degree and a PhD in experimental psychology many years ago now. And then I've always been in um, various flavors of healthcare. So I did some healthcare investment banking ages ago as well. Um, and then, and then um, health economics consultancy essentially before I started Vite Access. Wow. Okay. So, look, when when did Vite Access kick off? I believe it was twenty seventeen. Yeah. Um, so when I guess before before that, what was your background? You mentioned a few things there. So, kind of um, banking, a, a science background. Did yeah? Did you always want to go down this route? Where did yeah? I, I guess starting a company come from because. For some of us, it's, you know, a mad decision overnight. And some of our guests have, have literally, they've spoken to husbands and wife and said, look, I'm just going to do this. And then next thing you know, they're doing it. Others, it's been a bit more planned. Talk us through, yeah, your background and, and your journey to, to get into this point. Well, it wasn't sort of, there wasn't a big grand plan that would that, that, that said that, that in December 2021, I and the company would be here. But there was a sort of series, I suppose, of decision points, which sort of gradually snowballed, perhaps. I thought there was an opportunity to use digital 
tools to do this type of research. Um, and I had possibly a key um, uh, it was a light bulb moment, but a, a way of trying to do this initially by talking to a friend who worked for a company who did research using uh, a platform that was based on um, text SMS messaging. So I thought, oh, that sounds very interesting. And I was very specifically on a chairlift talking to her about this, and she was explaining what her company did. And I thought, hmm, maybe we could like sort of use that as a way into developing as a pre precursor to developing our own platform. Right. So we did that. We started that. I uh, bootstrapped essentially using still doing consulting work, and then um, that seemed to be successful. And that's the next stage was saying, okay, we need to really build a team to to do this type of research because this type of research is quite rigorous. There's lots of um, hoops to go through. You have to have you know really solid uh, information governance. Um, you know, security, all of that sort of good stuff. You can't really do it on your own. Mm. There's plenty of things you can't do on your own, of course. So then the next step was beginning to hire people. And that's when it started getting a little bit more serious because, you know, there's costs, etc. And, you know, then there was really a series of build-up um, decisions that were related to building the company and bootstrapping it. So we, did, we don't have any external VC investors. We've, we've built it through, um, yeah, bootstrapping impressive impressive well i know that yeah recruiting and hiring teams is a challenge that like i'm running a business that help people do just that but i'm also running a business where i have to build my own team and it's probably the biggest challenge that any ceo founder tends to, to face because getting the people right is paramount to any business um but we'll come on to say the research the data side of things and i'm sure that adam will perhaps have some questions there um but i'm just thinking this idea came about where you sat on a stair, uh, not a stair lift, a ski, was it a stair lift? <laughs> ski lift? You don't look no. like you need a stair lift. Whereabouts were you? Not quite yet. Yeah, do, do, you remember, do you remember where you were? Who was, who was the individual you were talking to? And then how did it kind of, no pun here, how did it snowball from there? <laughs> Very nicely done. I don't remember exactly where we were. We were in a, um, it was a chairlift with a friend called Delphine. And uh, she was telling me what her company did. I had this, I thought it was a light bulb moment. I thought that was interesting. And I explored it further with her. And it was in a ski resort near where I used to live called... Um, uh, uh, La Clusa. I used to live near a place called Annecy in, in France, and yeah, we we I remember exactly which chairlift it was as well. So wow. that 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 started the, the genesis of, of the the whole project, I suppose. And where did um, where did you initially go? Because I guess look, a lot of us have had ideas, you know, and, mm. and then often, you know, we kind of dismiss them and just think, oh, it it can't be that great because I've thought of it and there must be loads of other people doing it. So what was it, you know, internally to you that said, actually, this could go somewhere? Um, it was because I, um, I thought that the, there was a combination of a few things that could be really valuable. So from a business perspective, the people who, it wasn't completely different from um, what I, the era I knew already. So I've only ever really worked in 
you know, biopharma. So I've got a network of people in biopharma companies. So previously used to do consulting projects with them. Yeah. And some of those same people could commission the type of research using smartphone apps or sort of real-world evidence research. Mm-hmm. So it's the same sort of people doing different types of things. And a lot of the um, um, rigor and the dis- things like study design is areas that I or other people were familiar with. So it's basically not completely different. It's basically building on some areas of expertise that I and, and my team and, and people I knew had, mm. but using hopefully new technology um, in, a, in a new way. Like it. So then where, where did it kind of go from there? So that was back in 2017. Yeah. How many of you were there? Was it yourself? Did you manage to rope in any, any buddies? Because it sounds like you, you bootstrapped this. So did you manage to rope in any other players from your network to, to go with yeah. you? Was it kind of the, the Mark Larkin show at that point? And then you grew from there. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many parts of this just about the people and the team really and because as i said you obviously can't build a company without a team mm. and there was initial fantastic uh, sort of small group of um sort of founders if you like that that i recruited in oxford we were sort of basically in a broom cupboard in the center of oxford in a um uh, an incubator there tiny office and uh, one of them i knew from a previous company so I previously managed him actually so really lucky he had a very um, sort of IT technical background mm-hmm. so he, he became the, the chief technology officer someone else from a big CRO she was out became a um, COO um, and it, someone else with a very strong consultancy background so this sort of small team was the the, the, the starting point for them big, building a slightly bigger team Mm. But yeah, those first few hires, absolutely critical. You have to have people who sort of share the vision, realize that, you know, it's not going to be perfect from the start. You'll make the mistakes. Um, you know, there, there's financial considerations as well. But if you've got shared um, a shared vision and also shared respect, I think, you know, you've got to be honest and say, well, actually, this is what we're trying to do. Maybe it will work. Some bits will work. Some bits of it won't let's see where we get to then that's a really strong starting point for the ups and the downs definitely adam how often have we heard that about surrounding yourself with the right people it, it sounds like it actually sounds like um you're, you're sorting out your your skeleton of your team aren't you you know you've got to get a decent goalkeeper certainly a decent <laughs> center back you 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 cam your center attacking midfielder and you've got to have your striker and That'd somewhere be in between there, you're the guy that's pulling all the strings. And whether you're on the sidelines or you're, you know, underpinning all of that financially and um, with your brain power, clearly, clearly it's about having a very strong team, isn't it? And, and good, dependable people that you can rely upon. Yeah. And the other thing that we had, which is um, really valuable, is there's a few people who we were able to sort of go and talk to. So we put together a, an advisory board for our, our company really early. And we found that really valuable. So people from um, the healthcare industry who were you know, experts in, in, in the, the, the subject matter, if you like, that we were talking, that we were developing into, but also a couple of people who weren't, who were consciously not healthcare experts, but were business experts. Yeah. And, and getting the feedback from those people about the 
I guess it's the 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 informal business plan that we had was really valuable. Um, and then at some stage, you've got to have some clients, and you've got to convince some clients that um, what you're doing is a good idea. You have not got a ten-year track record. You've probably not you know got, not got a one-year track record, but actually they might believe in you. And so we had a really um, really valuable, really supportive few clients that that, that wanted to um, wanted to do the, the 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 type of work we did. And I suppose the, one of the advantages of doing things that are innovative is that no one has a really big track record of doing this. So you know we were in competition with some really big players, but you know they they hadn't really done this type of stuff either. So that, I think that helped a bit as well. I was just about to ask, and I think you answered that for me there before I jumped in with yeah, how did that go? Because I guess any kind of startup that are looking to break into to markets has that struggle of like, who are you? What have you done? Where's your credentials? But it sounds as though because it was new and you had, I guess it sounds as though fairly big players um, by the yeah. sound of, of things to, to kind of back things up and not just, you weren't, you hadn't pigeoned yourself into a science box or into to a tech box or into a, a business box. There was that kind of sphere of expertise around everything that you were doing by the sounds of things. Um, and I guess that's perhaps where people were happy to, to buy into you and, and the business. But how was, I guess, that those initial business development days led? Was it yourself, Mark, or was it as a team? How did you, how did it feel getting on those very first clients? Because I know for me, when I started the recruitment business, I thought I'd just, I'd walk it and people would just be picking up the phone and, you know, they, they knew me from my previous job and what I'd done and I do a good job, et cetera. I thought it was going to be easy. Six months later, I'm scratching around for a few pennies thinking, am I going to be able to pay the mortgage? Um, so like that relief of getting those first clients is amazing. How, how did that process look? How did it feel for, for you at that time? One of the things that we tried to do was be really ambitious in terms of the types of projects we were doing. So we thought, right, you know, Company X hasn't done this before. We think this could be really valuable for them. But what we will offer them is not just this part of it. You know, let's say building a data capture solution might involve a smartphone app. Mm. We'll do it. We'll say we can give them a turnkey solution, which is we'll write the protocol. We will recruit patients. We will develop the data capture solution. We will develop some sort of governance framework for the project. It's a long-term one might be like a, a scientific advisory board we will do all the data analytics as well we will write the journal manuscript get it published and so we put together proposals based on all of those things to try and make it as easy as possible for the client to say actually you might not have done it before but we could do all of this for you and you'll get these really good results so i think and, and as we were doing that that also helped us sort of formulate our business proposition and that would sort of that all of that stuff is reflected in the team we need to to do it and having that um you know one-stop shop idea we thought or and hoped would be differentiated so that's sort of you know that worked quite well really but you know it was that wasn't a sort of big grand plan that we had months and months before that was we sort of developed that idea about how to how to do the business development and how to have the, the sort of business proposition that we offered mm. in, you know, slightly iter iteratively. 
fine. Well, I guess, um, Adam, you're kind of a, a subject matter expert on that side of things. To me, it sounds like there's a lot of work, probably more than I even would imagine. Talk to Mark. us and, and let our audience in on kind of, yeah, what that involves from kind of, yeah, your expert opinion and, and where you would be kind of sitting. So I've, I've, known Mark, I've, I've known Mark quite some time. And actually, you know, he's a really smart guy. And, and the way you describe that, Mark, is, is like a consultant. In other words, you think about the solutions, you try and come to the table with those solutions and consider that from the, from, from the point of view of the, of the purchaser, effectively. So you're yeah. coming to the table with the solutions and, and the what-ifs. And it's a, it, it sounds like a much easier sell when you come to the table with those solutions, having done the thinking for them, and then you say, and we can do all these things for you, why not? Rather than go very niche and very narrow, you go very broad, don't you? And effectively try and cover those bases and just work your way through it. It sounds like a much easier sell actually from, from both sides of the fence because you're coming at it from the consultant's mindset, which is always about the outcomes, isn't it? It's best outcomes, best outcomes all the time. But also I think that probably has driven a lot of very positive conversations because as you were describing it, that's exactly where my mindset was because I'm an individual, I'm a consultant. I don't have a background of people behind me, but if I were to, that's exactly the approach I would take, I think. Very complimentary, I, I like that. But look, we are now kind of four, almost five years on um, for, for yourself. Um, how's it going? You know, how, how did the earlier days go with getting those clients on? How has your client base built? How many, how has it gone from that initial skeleton of say two, three, four of you to where you are now? What did, what does, um, I know before we jumped on and, and hit the record button, we were talking about uh, Christmas parties and, and things like that. How, how is the team looking now? What sort of size are we looking at? Are we office based virtual? Give us a, a, a full breakdown, Mark. Yeah. So, um, Teams just under 50 people now, and wow. we um, were already quite a remote setup pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. But when the pandemic came by, we had, a, we had a small office in the centre of Oxford, but a lot of people were based remotely. Um, so we closed our office very early, and we didn't have a long lease or anything. So that was really great to have that flexibility. We closed it on about the 9th of March, I think, last wow. year. And since then, we've continued to grow, um, you know, having pharmaceutical clients who are um, uh, pharmaceutical companies who are clients is fantastically lucky in many ways versus many other sectors based on the, you know, the long term uh, nature of their planning. So a lot of the work we're doing, you know, has multi year timelines. So COVID presented some problems, but not in the same way as other sectors. So we still have a lot of long-term relationships. So well, I guess we accelerated the remoteness of what we were doing, no longer have an office. And now we're thinking about as many people are, what does, the, you know, what, how are we going to interact with our, the, the team without an office? So what we've started doing is having quarterly meetings, really important, where we try and get everyone together. Um, and because we do recognise that space-to-face -face time is, in, is vital, right? But we're just doing it in a different, different way. And yeah, we, we had to take the difficult decision last week to postpone with the Omicron variant to postpone all our face-to-face, -face, uh, the face-to-face -face quarterly um, festivities that we had. So we've, 
We've replaced those with some virtual festivities, which I hope will be fun. But you know, it won't be exactly the same as it had been as we had planned. Um, so that's been, you know, uh, uh, some really challenging times. I've done on a, uh, I guess, a personal level. Uh, I've sent a series of messages, both email and you know, talking head videos last year that I never expected to say about things like death rates, working from home, uncertainty. And that was really tough, really tough. And I hope I never have to do that again. We were very lucky. We didn't have to make loads of redundancies. We continued to grow. And we had to, we received some, um, what we want, some government finance to build the next generation of our digital platform to do the types of research studies that we we do, but wow, there's a hell of a lot of things that have happened. If just, I mean, you, you mentioned four or five years, but just the last 18 months have been, you know, a huge amount of change and, and challenges, even in the, as I said, the very uh, protected relative to many industries, um, the confines of, of, of the pharmaceutical industry. Mm. Well, it sounds, yeah, I mean, similar to uh, myself, really, Mark, you know, we, have adapted and changed so much in the last 18 months with systems and platforms and tech that we use. Yeah. It's probably advanced our business, you know, five years in, in the last 18 months, just because we would never have taken up the adoption of some of the things that we're now doing. I probably wouldn't be sit, sitting here with you chaps uh, on, on Zoom. Um, so there is, I guess, yeah, some silver linings to come out of this. Mm. Um, but what would you say, I mean, you the language of you know some of your meetings there didn't sound as if it was you're overly comfortable with that or you know certainly not the, the type of meetings and language that you want to be using but what would you say have been perhaps the biggest challenges for yourself over this this period uh, and managing your team remotely i mean just uncertainty i think that's the main one um you know we at the right at the beginning of the pandemic we didn't we you know didn't know that we would be okay we didn't know whether our clients although they're pharmaceutical companies whether they were going to cancel contracts so that's the first piece of uncertainty then when it emerged they you know weren't going to that was um obviously very good news but then there's a whole range of uncertainties about how i guess on an individual level the pandemic was going to affect in, um, people in the team mm. yeah. so there's just been various different flavors of uncertainty that we had all, the whole time. And as for, for me and, and colleagues sort of managing the company, it's quite difficult to make decisions based upon that. But I think one of the things that we found has been a good guiding principle is honesty and transparency. If you don't know, I mean, say you don't know, it's not, there's no shame in no, not necessarily knowing everything about how to manage business you you were making the point about being adaptable and, and having to be adaptable to change and i think we've all experienced that having to to pivot to to find ways of working that work in remote teams as much as you know when you're physically together and those opportunities to come together are so few and far between now that when you do isn't it amazing to be in the same room as your colleagues right yeah and it, it really when we all met up for the first we had a first quarterly meeting for a long time in September, it was, it was really fun. It was, you know, re I really loved sort of every second of it. But yeah. it, one of the, you know, Zoom calls are, are fantastic and they, they offer huge amount uh, 
of enablement for remote working. But when we were all in a room and someone was presenting, we were sort of talking to the others like this, and you know, uh, sorry, that, that looked, uh, went very blurred there on the uh, on the camera. But, <laughs> you know, you, you notice how much more of a full sort of sensory experience it is, and you have these sort of side channel, side discussions, etc., which are really valuable. So, you know, there there has uh, you know we definitely think well there is a place for there has to still be a place for talking and, and seeing each other uh physically but it's just you know less frequently than we were doing before and as you say i mean the uncertainty that we're going into over the next couple of months we don't know what we don't know right now but i think it sounds like you're making wise decisions on behalf of all of your employees irrespective of what other decisions are made on on our behalf by by governments and and other senior people that may be making those decisions but i, I know exactly where you're coming from because we've had those same conversations in my yeah. family and, and locally as well I was going to say, and don't get us started with, with the conversations being made elsewhere. Not, it's not at this time of the year. <laughs> <laughs> um, but look, I think that brings us kind of nicely on as to, you know, talking to how you've managed it and the uncertainty and with the holidays coming up. But look, what are the, the plans for the future? Will you be, you know, continuing to deliberate whether you need um, either the quarterly meetings, the, um, any office parties, whether there will be any hybrid remote office um, type of setup. What are the plans for, for you on, on the, that front and as a business uh, on, the, on the whole as we head through to 2022? Well, we're, we're going to continue to be a uh, remote organisation. We're going to continue to have, I think, hopefully refine this sort of slightly hybrid setup where most people are working in a sort of distributed network type approach but we bring them all together um, regularly but you know not that frequently let's say quarterly i mean we work in an area which is um has again think about recruitment and teams um types of roles and profiles that are extremely um, sought after so for instance health economists data scientists a key types of profile in my team and um, that's not going to change any anytime soon. So we found that um, having this type of approach, which is a little bit more flexible, and, and actually we've, we've had historically uh, always had greater than 50% of the team being women. Wow. Now part of that's been based upon flexibility. So I've always taken the attitude that as a small company, one of the things you can do is offer greater flexibility than perhaps, you know, if bigger organisations are being... Uh, less flexible long may that continue because that offers a sort of niche for us smaller companies to be more flexible and offer the you know these really sought after people something that perhaps they couldn't find at a bigger company and i think you're, you're spot on there uh, mark i guess coming from a, a recruiter's pers uh, perspective it is a case of finding a home for individuals you know what suits for one person you know kind of go into an office they love it may not suit or may not suit someone else's his lifestyle so you need to you know in, in that sense on the, the recruitment side of things play to your strengths and it sounds as though you are doing it you recognize it you don't necessarily see it as an obstacle it's that is your opportunity to bag some people that um are top notch and you know not really interested in uh companies that aren't offering that level of flexibility so uh that all sounds very exciting and is there i'm guessing more growth expected for uh, as we head into to next year you're at 50 at the moment often 
there's certain milestones when speaking to other um, business leaders that they hit a barrier and then it, that kind of attrition becomes uh, difficult to you know retain people and continue to build. Um, what are your plans on that side of things? Is it continuing to scale? Yeah, well, we've just, I mentioned that we've, we've built a, a next generation of our digital platform to do the type of research that we do. That's uh, just finished very recently. So that's a key element of scale. So when we started right at the beginning, um, when, when the company was founded, we did essentially bespoke projects, uh, which weren't that scalable, but it was a bit like proof of concept. But they worked, they worked very nicely. So then we decided to build this platform that wouldn't be the basis of scaling. So we think we're just at the beginning of the, the scaling journey for, for where we are. The, 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 um, the opportunity is absolutely enormous and we certainly wouldn't be able to address it all. So we've got a, uh, a business plan that we put together over about a three year period. We've got budget sets that we've just been doing that, of course, this, this time of year. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got a pretty ambitious growth plan for next year. But we also recognize that at the beginning of the growth journey, we might modulate that. We might sort of, you know, throughout the year think, well, actually, this is going to look quite a lot better than we, we planned. So we need to, fingers crossed, perhaps raise our expectations through, you know, even during the year. Because we're still at that stage where we're quite a, you know, it's by no means steady state. We're, we're, we're still um, growing quite a lot and, and developing the type of work we do and refining. So... A year is quite a long time in that period. So I think you've know, got to be ready to, and then of course that could be down as well as like fingers crossed it'd be up rather than down. But um, yeah, I, I, in terms of headcount, uh, don't know is the short answer. I mean, we've got a, we've got a business plan, which is we're recruiting at the moment with that. So, um, but uh, we, we, we need to give ourselves the flexibility to, to uh, uh, revise that, I think, during the year if, 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 if need be. You, I like you that. Might you, you made the point about a year, a year is a long time. It certainly feels a long time in COVID times, doesn't it? Because we are all working so hard and so efficiently, dare I say it, that I can't even believe where we are now. I can't believe we're in nearly the second week of December. And this year has literally gone in, in the blink of an eye, hasn't it? I don't know if it has for you, but it just feels like it's just gone. I don't know where it's gone, but it's gone. It certainly has. But what, what I loved about that, Mark, was the fact that even in your business plan, there's that flexibility that you talked about and you kind of recognise that you don't necessarily have all the answers. You don't know how many people it's going to be, but there will be growth. The new platform is, is, is coming. Um, I'm assuming that that's going to be adding even more value to, to your clients um, than before. Um, look, on, on that front... Um, is there you know any particular usp or that you would talk about that, that to this new platform uh, that any of our audience you know whether they are you know potential clients or people that might be interested in, in joining you as a business um that they would perhaps be interested to, to hear about yeah well as we were designing the new platform we we, we designed it based on the previous work we've we've done not with the platform if you like so we had found in the previous work that we we're doing that there was some key aspects that we, we, we wanted to be able to uh, deliver to the type of research we do. One is fast, right? I mean, even though projects are often typically long-term, clients are usually in a hurry or perhaps they haven't <laughs> planned uh, or things have changed. So if you can do things fast, that's good. And if you're using digital tools, in some ways you have to be 
why aren't you doing things fast? Yeah, so that, that can be a real differentiator to be able to do deploy studies fast. Another thing is about being inclusive. So we do work which is about um, data from patients, essentially. Now, patients have different characteristics. They use different types of platforms. They might use a smartphone. They might use a uh, not a smartphone. It might be Android. We, we, we need to take account of, of that so that we can include every voice of every patient possible. So if we go to people and say, well, you can only do this on, on an um, iPhone, then you're going to lose half your market. So we can do really inclusive research, irrespective of platform, um, and to get as many patients as possible. And then the final thing is about being able to do it globally. So we're a UK-based company, but we can do research in pretty much any language and country because we've got a, an in-house team to, that, that can localize this into different languages. So wow. we being those three things basically is what our platform enables. We think you know being able to do that is you know quite a good um, uh, valuable uh, value proposition for the for the clients. I love that. I mean, I, there's so many things that I come across, whether it's apps, IT platforms, websites. I often find that, you know, there could, sometimes can be several competitors. And what's great on one platform, you yeah. know, and he's a selling point, is terrible on another. And often you just want that combination of it. And it sounds as though you, perhaps with your consultant hat on, has thought about that and said, where can we get? access to as big a market as possible um, and you're working on that to make it um, a reality so look congrats on, on what you're doing it all sounds very exciting i'm going to be interested to see where you're going i wish that i was in the world of recruiting um data scientists and things because i know that finding <laughs> those guys is like swinging for the fences at times but hopefully a few of them may tune in um hear what you're up to and, and take an interest in, in that. Uh, but look, before we close the show, uh, Mark, we always finish up with a quick fire round. Um, so look, I'll, I'll kick us off, um, which is, what is the, the, the uh, best piece of advice that you'd perhaps give to your younger self? I think that would be, don't be too narrow in your perspective. So, I mean, I, as I've got older, I think I've, I've always been quite interested in a range of things. But when I was younger, I was too, perhaps too focused on certain things. I missed out on, on um, other things that I, I would have found more interesting. So, and that's just not about sort of necessarily just subjects, but also talking to people. I mean, that's, you know, the, 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 the greater a breadth of experience and, and insights and inputs you can have, the better. I like it. I like it. Kind of goes hand in hand with the, the business model that you're applying now as well. So very nice absolutely um we we also like to ask ask our guests what what's on their what's on their reading list at the moment or indeed if if you're not reading what what's the podcast you're walking and talking and listening to at the moment mark because th there are there are many and many options out there and uh, we'd be we'd love to hear what what your thoughts are around that around books or books podcasts books or pods whatever you, works any, for you any resource Okay, so one book I'm reading at the moment is called uh, Into the Crocodile's Nest by an explorer called Benedict Allen. And he does, um, he goes to Papua New Guinea. And I'm very interested in that because I used to live in Papua New Guinea was, when I was really young, between the ages of two and four. Wow. And so I haven't been back since. So I'm very interested in, in Papua New Guinea. And I mean, the, the hardships that he, he uh, goes through are 
pretty unbelievable. And um, happily, I'd classify that as escapism. So I, I don't have to. <laughs> it's, it doesn't really reflect on uh, similarities in my life, but it's um, it's pretty interesting. And it's an interesting country. Yeah, no, I would agree. It is an interesting um, country. I guess during my days recruiting expat engineers, there was often a lot of roadworks going on over in Papua New Guinea. So I know a lot of um, Aussies and guys from New Zealand that are working over there still. Um, yeah. And it's, um, yeah, I always used, just used to picture Ross Kent on gangs when I pictured it, but speaking to <laughs> some of the, the chaps, I mean, they, they have their security, but it sounds like an interesting place. Um, but look, moving on to the next question, um, you're clearly, you're, you're growing, you have been growing throughout the whole duration of um, sort of business. What are the top three qualities that you value most when, when building a team? Uh, I would say integrity, curiosity, and um, reliability. I mean, the, 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 those. Are, I mean, I could have picked others. I think those. Are, I found those really um, valuable. I mean, but, but the main thing is, is just about having, finding someone I'd, I, I would want to spend time with and enjoy working with. Yeah. You know? um, because life's too short to be working with people you don't respect and want to work with. Definitely. It's, it's so true. It's so true. And funnily enough, you, you made reference to it earlier that there are people or there were there was someone that you recruited in that you'd worked with before. Many of the best people I've ever worked with, I would definitely rehire. And I've, I've told them as well <laughs> so that they're ready when I'm ready, because because those kind of people, you know, they're like your team, aren't they? And you just want to hang on to good people. Good people are really hard to find particularly those that you identify with and connect with and gel. And as you say, you know, you spend so much time working. We all do. We use a lot of gray matter and it's a lot easier to work with people who really identify and share that zeal and uh, enthusiasm for the work, isn't it? It is indeed. Adam, I, I was getting a little bit of feedback from your headset then. Um, okay. I think, but yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And um, like I'll, I know it's it's often my favourite question, but I know it's one that you typically ask. So I'm going to jump in anyway um, and just say, Mark, look, we've talked a lot about work and teams and everything like that. Um, you mentioned earlier that the business idea came whilst sitting on a, a chairlift. Um, I'm assuming you're skiing, but what is your favourite thing to get up to outside of work? Well, I, I mean, skiing is pretty good, pretty, pretty, a pretty big part of it actually. So the thing I tend to do nowadays is uh, ski touring, which is uh, basically not you put these things called skins on your skis and you sort of walk up. You don't have to be near ski lifts or um, ski resorts; you can just do it in the mountains. You go for a big long walk up a big hill for a couple of hours through very deep snow, and then you ski down. And you take the skins off when you get to the top, and you skin down and it enables you to just get completely away from people. You have to wear an avalanche transceiver and have all the safety stuff in place. But um, to see amazing, beautiful scenery in mountains, and then do a bit of nice sort of um, deep, deep powder skiing on the way down as well. Very nice indeed. Adam, I'll throw back over to, over to you for the, the final question. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've given us loads of insights, Mark, and I really appreciate your, your openness and honesty around that. Um, what would be your number one uh, rule of life and business? Um, making sure that you 
it sounds like you want to have a balance. You want to do great work. You want to have a good time outside of work. Is there one particular golden rule that you stick to? I think maybe the most important thing is just about honesty and integrity. Yeah. So those, those things go hand in hand. And if you treat your um, team, your family, and your clients in, in, in that way, um, you sh that's probably a good start. I mean, I, I think as I've got older, maybe I've had a bit more strength of convictions with that. And you just sort of find yourself acting maybe in the same way with pretty much every, everyone, which is probably a good sign as well. So, Mark, I gather you recently got the Queen's Award for Vita Access. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, Queen's Award for Innovation, apparently the highest award for, for businesses in, in the UK. Yeah, we were absolutely delighted to, to win that earlier this year, um, particularly um, proud after only being uh, in operation for about four years recognizes excellence in, in, in industry. We, we won that for innovation. So we're doing something that was viewed to be innovative in the healthcare sector. And one of the great things about that is it's quite a well-known reward and it's really, you know, recognition for the whole team. Again, as usual, you don't win awards like that on your own. It's recognition of the progress that the whole company made in quite a short space of time. So yeah, really nice to, to win that, to, to, to go and, um, at Windsor Castle, which I've never been to before, put on a Lovely. suit for the first time for about three years and a tie. So I don't know when that's going to happen again, but you know, very nice. I can't, I can't believe that you almost forgot to tell us about this, Mark. I mean, you told <laughs> before we jumped on the show, he's telling me that about he was he went to Windsor Castle and wearing a suit and and all this, and forgot that there was a reason behind it, which is pretty pretty bloody impressive. Who, who did you get to meet there? I asked. Well, actually, there was a there was a, a cast of well, there was uh, there was Prince Charles, and that was quite a big royal undercard as well. And I can't remember all of them. Holy shit! So, <laughs> how on earth did you not mention that? It, honestly, when I, when I spoke to him like, a couple of weeks back, he, he mentioned that he'd been to Windsor Castle. He mentioned it earlier before we jumped on to record, and yeah. As I say, modesty, modesty personified, Mark. It might be forget. It might be middle-aged forgetfulness as well. <laughs> well, I said you were a nice chap. I mean, I mean, clearly you, you're not into bragging or blowing your own trumpet. Um, but yeah, certainly if that was that was me, I would be. <laughs> Look, Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show to share some of the insights, how the the business come about. Love that one. Love a little story. I do. Um, and it, yeah, it just sounds like you're just a a nice guy to I can imagine working with you just would, would be quite fun flexible um so yeah as I say hopefully some of those data scientists that tune in and you know can reach out to you but look for anyone that does want to reach out um to you what's the best way to get hold of you is it your website an email LinkedIn all of the above I mean so we're www.bitaccessbitaccess.com I'm on LinkedIn um all the usual um, channels, you know, I'd love to hear from people. Fantastic. Well, look, thanks again for being a part of the Huxley Morton podcast. We'll now let you get off to enjoy the holidays and, and Christmas and New Year, I guess. Many thanks. Well, thanks to, to you both for the invite. Really nice to talk to you. Fantastic thanks, stuff. Mark.